Section five of the Letters of Jane Austen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Elizabeth Clatt. Letter eleven. Steventon, Friday, December twenty eighth. My dear Cassandra, Frank is made. He was yesterday raised to the rank of commander and appointed to the petrel sloop now at Gibraltar. A letter from Daesh has just announced this, and as it is confirmed by a very friendly one from Mr. Matthew to the same effect, transcribing one from Admiral Gambier to the General, we have no reason to suspect the truth of it. As soon as you have cried a little for joy, you may go on and learn further that the India House have taken Captain Austen's petition into consideration. This comes from Daesh and likewise that Lieutenant Charles John Austen is removed to the Tamar frigate. This comes from the Admiral. We cannot find out where the Tamar is, but I hope we shall now see Charles here at all events. This letter is to be dedicated entirely to good news. If you will send my father an account of your washing and letter expenses, etc., he will send you a draft for the amount of it, as well as for your next quarter, and for Edward's rent. If you don't buy a muslin gown now on the strength of this money and Frank's promotion, I shall never forgive you. Mrs. Lefroy has just sent me word that Lady Dorchester meant to invite me to her ball on January 8th, which, though an humble blessing compared with what the last page records, I do not consider as any calamity. I cannot write any more now, but I have written enough to make you very happy, and therefore may safely conclude. Yours affectionately, Jane. Letter twelve. Steventon, Tuesday, January eighth, seventeen ninety nine. My dear Cassandra, you must read your letters over five times in future before you send them, and then perhaps you may find them as entertaining as I do. I laughed at several parts of the one which I am now answering. Charles is not come yet, but he must come this morning or he shall never know what I will do to him. The ball at Kempshot is this evening, and I have got him an invitation, though I have not been so considerate as to get him a partner. But the cases are different between him and Eliza Bailey, for he is not in a dying way, and may therefore be equal to getting a partner for himself. I believe I told you that Monday was to be the ball-night, for which, and for all other errors into which I may ever have led you, I humbly ask your pardon." Elizabeth is very cruel about my writing music, and as a punishment for her, I should insist upon always writing out all hers for her in future, if I were not punishing myself at the same time. I am tolerably glad to hear that Edward's income is so good a one, as glad as I can be at anybody's being rich except you and me, and I am thoroughly rejoiced to hear of his present to you. I am not to wear my white satin cap to-night, after all. I am to wear a marmalone cap instead, which Charles Fowle sent to Mary, and which she sends me. It is all the fashion now, worn at the opera, and by Lady Mildmay's at Hackwood Balls. I hate describing such things, and I dare say you'll be able to guess what it is like. I have got over the dreadful epoch of mantua-making much better than I expected. My gown is made very like my blue one, which you always told me sat very well, with only these variations. The sleeves are short, the wrap fuller, the apron comes over it, and a band of the same completes the whole. I assure you that I dread the idea of going to Brighton as much as you do, 
but I am not without hopes that something may happen to prevent it. F. has lost his election at B., and perhaps they may not be able to see company for some time. They talk of going to Bath, too, in the spring, and perhaps they may be overturned in their way down, and all laid up for the summer. Wednesday. I have had a cold and weakness in one of my eyes for some days, which makes writing neither very pleasant nor very profitable, and which will probably prevent my finishing this letter myself. My mother has undertaken to do it for me, and I shall leave the Kempshot ball for her. You express so little anxiety about my being murdered under Ash Park Copse by Mrs. Hulbert's servant, that I have a great mind not to tell you whether I was or not, and shall only say that I did not return home that night or the next, as Martha kindly made room for me in her bed, which was the shut-up one in the new nursery. Nurse and the child slept upon the floor, and there we all were in some confusion, and great comfort. The bed did exceedingly well for us, both to lie awake in and talk till two o'clock, and to sleep in the rest of the night. I love Martha better than ever, and I mean to go and see her if I can when she gets home. We all dined at the Harwoods on Thursday, and the party broke up the next morning. This complaint in my eye has been a sad bore to me, for I have not been able to read or work in any comfort since Friday. But one advantage will be derived from it, for I shall be such a proficient in music by the time I have got rid of my cold, that I shall be perfectly qualified in that science, at least to take Mr. Roops off as at Eastwell next summer, and I am sure of Elizabeth's recommendation, be it only on Harriet's account. Of my talent in drawing I have given specimens in my letters to you, and I have nothing to do but to invent a few hard names for the stars. Mary grows rather more reasonable about her child's beauty, and says that she does not think him really handsome, but I suspect her moderation to be something like that of W.W.'s mamma. Perhaps Mary has told you that they are going to enter into more dinner parties. The Biggs and Mr. Holder dine there to-morrow, and I am to meet them. I shall sleep there. Catherine has the honour of giving her name to a set, which will be composed of two Withers, two Heathcotts, a Blackford, and no Big except herself. She congratulated me last night on Frank's promotion, as if she really felt the joy she talked of. My sweet little George! I am delighted to hear that he has such an inventive genius as to face-making. I admired his yellow wafer very much, and I hope he will choose the wafer for your next letter. I wore my green shoes last night, and took my white fan with me. I am very glad he never threw it into the river. Mrs. Knight giving up the Godmersham estate to Edward is no such prodigious act of generosity after all, it seems, for she has reserved herself an income out of it still. This ought to be known, that her conduct may not be overrated. I rather think Edward shows the most magnanimity of the two, in accepting her resignation with such encumbrances. The more I write, the better my eye gets, so I shall at least keep on till it is quite well, before I give up my pen to my mother. Mrs. Bramston's little movable apartment was tolerably filled last night, by herself, Mrs. H. Blackstone, her two daughters, and me. I do not like the Miss Blackstones. Indeed, I was always determined not to like them, so there is the less merit in it. Mrs. Bramston was very civil, kind, and noisy. I spent a very pleasant evening, chiefly among the many-down party. There is the same kind of supper as last year, and the same want of chairs. There were more dancers than the room could conveniently hold, 
which is enough to constitute a good ball at any time. I do not think I was very much in request. People were rather apt not to ask me until they could not help it. One's consequence, you know, varies so much at times, without any particular reason. There was one gentleman, an officer of the Cheshire, a very good-looking young man, who, I was told, wanted very much to be introduced to me. But as he did not want it quite enough to take much trouble in effecting it, we never could bring it about. I danced with Mr. John Wood again, twice with a Mr. South, a lad from Winchester, who, I suppose, is as far from being related to the bishop of that diocese as it is possible to be, with G. Lefroy and J. Harwood, who, I think, takes to me rather more than he used to do. One of my gayest actions was sitting down two dances, in preference to having Lord Bolton's eldest son for my partner, who danced too ill to be endured. The Miss Chartereses were there, and played the parts of the Miss Edens with great spirit. Charles never came. Naughty Charles! I suppose he could not get superseded in time. Mr. Barry has replaced your two sheets of drawing-paper with two of superior size and quality, so I do not grudge her having taken them at all now. Mr. Ludlow and Miss Pugh of Andover are lately married, and so is Mrs. Skeet of Basingstoke, and Mr. French, chemist, of Reading. I do not wonder at your wanting to read first impressions again, so seldom as you have gone through it, and that so long ago. I am much obliged to you for meaning to leave my old petticoat behind you. I have long secretly wished it might be done, but had not courage to make the request. Pray mention the name of Maria Montresor's lover when you write next. My mother wants to know it, and I have not courage to look back into your letters to find it out. I shall not be able to send this till to-morrow, and you will be disappointed on Friday. I am very sorry for it, but I cannot help it. The partnership between Geoffrey's tumour and leg is dissolved. The two latter are melted away into nothing, and it is to be hoped that Geoffrey's will soon break, for the sake of a few heroines whose money he may have. I wish you joy of your birthday twenty times over. I shall be able to send this to the post to-day, which exalts me to the utmost pinnacle of human felicity, and makes me bask in the sunshine of prosperity, or gives me any other sensation of pleasure in studied language which you may prefer. Do not be angry with me for not filling my sheet, and believe me yours affectionately. J. A. End of section 5